Hi everybody, my name is Nick Beard. I'm the audiovisual director here at Peninsula Covenant Church, or PCC. Welcome to our message podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. The reading this morning is from Mark 1, verse 40, and it's the story of the leper. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone. But go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, the leper went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but he stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Morning, church. Great to see you. I want to honor a special guest that's with us today. It is no understatement to tell you I would not be here today without this mentor, uh, this leader in my life, um, Evelyn Johnson. Uh, Evelyn, would you please stand up? Can we welcome Evelyn? Um, Come on, we can do better than that, really. Um, Evelyn served as and oversaw all discipleship ministries nationally for our denomination. She was the pastor of discipleship here at PCC. She was a superintendent, our denomination's uh, nation's version of a bishop for the Pacific Southwest Conference. Uh, some of the most, I do not put myself in this category, but the most significant leaders right now in the denomination have been touched by this woman. And it is an honor to have you here. Thank you for being here. Thanks for what you've done for me and in my life. Love you so much. Okay, I'm a little bit overwhelmed. I didn't expect to see you. So um, great to be with you. I've been gone for eight days. I was at a memorial for a family member and then um, at a conference called Q with 15 lead pastors from all over the Bay Area. Uh, We went together. It was an amazing experience. But there's no place like home, right? Amen. So let's pray together and we're going to jump into Mark 15. Very excited for this whole series. If you missed last week, please go back because everything hinges on last week. And I'm sorry I couldn't be here, uh, but you're in good hands with Brian Wren. And last week, the premise of this is we're never going to do love if we don't understand the love of God for us. Brian used this analogy of the cup. Remember this, that uh, as God's love fills our cup, it overflows into others. You miss that, this is just going to be a do more series. And no one wins when you have to do more. This is an overflow of what God's done for us, okay? We're going to go into a lot of imperatives, commands, for the rest of this series, all the way through Father's Day. But in the Bible, before every imperative command, there's what, uh, in the Greek language, there's an indicative which is a statement of what God's done for you. So Jesus always says, here's what I've done for you, and then gives the command. Religion says, go do the command, and they leave off what God's done for us. We don't want to do that. So please go back, look last week at how God's filled our cup, and it should overflow to different areas supernaturally. Okay? Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for uh, the saints gathered. Thanks for the worship and the proclaiming of who you are. 
This would be nothing apart from that. So guide us, please, guide us today as we look at this and how your love changes things, changes everything. I pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. I remember about 10 years ago, I was in Addis Ababa. It's the capital of Ethiopia. It's a city of 5 million people. I had a layover for a day, and so what I like to do in foreign cities is go explore the city. And so I went out into the city, and I uh, had this eerie convergence come over me. I was surrounded by people. It was all chaos to me, not because the Ethiopians are chaotic. They're beautiful, amazing, industrious people, but because I didn't understand the culture and because I was all alone. You know, there's a time when the Italians uh, uh, took over Ethiopia. Did you know that? And so I went and had this cappuccino that was to die for. Literally, they, they, they cooked the beans right, roasted the beans right in front of me and they grinded them. And it was amazing. I had the most amazing cappuccino I've ever tasted, completely alone. And then I went to all these monuments and saw this amazing history. Ethiopia goes back to the Bible, the book of Acts, the Ethiopian eunuch, and experienced these amazing monuments alone. And I went to go buy gifts for my family and experience that alone. What is it to be surrounded by five million people yet to be completely alone? There are people with my Addis experience all around us. There are people with my Addis Ababa experience in your workplace, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our city, in our church, look around for a minute. I want to answer Peter's question from the 60s. Uh, and, and I'm going to back this up scientifically. According to the Surgeon General, in a business article in the Harvard Business Review, look it up yourself, it's a cover article, September 2017, where he labeled loneliness in the workplace as an epidemic. He would undecide, uh, unequivocally say loneliness has increased since the 60s. You're looking at a room, if we're normal, where 40% of the people suffer from loneliness. And I'm quoting the Surgeon General here. He says, during my tenure as a U.S. Surgeon General, I saw firsthand how loneliness affected people of all ages and all socioeconomic backgrounds across the country. He said, the most common pathology I saw as a surgeon was not heart disease or diabetes, it was loneliness. Um, another article quoted research that pulled data from 70 studies affecting 3.4 million people. They researched 3.4 million people and they found that prolonged loneliness has the same effect on people as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Listen, I'm going to tell you this. This is like a vision series that we're doing from now through Father's Day. The restoration of our city, of our schools, of our church will come through the recognition of people. This is where I believe the church can and should be shining, right? This is where when God's love comes to us and it overflows, we make sure everybody's seen, everybody's recognized. No one goes unseen. No one goes unknown, especially in the church. All that to say, let's see how to do that. Mark chapter one and two aspects of this. We're gonna talk about, first of all, how Jesus loves the lonely. I wanna put yourself in this story as the leper. 
And then we're going to pull some principles out of that on how we can love the lonely like Jesus does. Simple, right? But not easy. Supernatural. That's right. Easier said than done. Right, Ellen? So let's open up. Mark 1. Are you ready? I've been with you since Easter. I've been dying to tell you this. Are you ready? Okay. Verse 40. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now let me just review. Many of us probably know some of this about leprosy. Maybe this is new information. Horrible disease. There's a cure today. The cure was found in 1982. But in Jesus' day, a horrible disease. It mandated a quarantine and leprosy created loneliness physically, socially, spiritually. Physically, the disease was chronic and systematic. It grew internally, externally, throughout your whole body, skins, fingers, toes, eyeballs, teeth would fall out, voice would get raspy. Uh, And then your nerve endings would be damaged where you couldn't feel. You couldn't feel. It's very important. Hold on to that. We'll come back to it in a minute. And with the loss of feeling, you would destroy your skin tissue and your, your limbs. And in Jesus' day, open sores would ooze with pus, creating an odor around a leper. Socially, because of the fear of contamination, leprosy would remove you completely from community and from the touch of any kind. Zero touch. The rabbis taught a leper can't come within 50 paces of people. Think about that. 50 paces. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Hey, Paul. I always wonder if my mic would work in the bathroom, but I'm going to turn this way. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50. Put yourself at the flagpole, and that's the closest you could be to a person if you had leprosy. Josephus, Jewish historian, taught lepers were treated as if they were corpses. They were removed from fist bumps, handshakes, hugs, high fives, pats on the back. Leviticus 13, you can read all the Jewish laws around this for health reasons, why they were created, said that uh, you would have to announce yourself if you had leprosy when you were 50 paces away with one word, unclean, unclean. There's a reason. I looked in Mark's account. I looked in Matthew's account. I looked in Luke's account. Neither gospel account, none of them give this leper a name. He was only known by his condition, by his issue. Now imagine that. Take the thing you're most ashamed of, most embarrassed by, 
And imagine that being your name. Imagine entering the room, glutton, greedy. Hi, my name is Bald. <laughs> Just call me Lust. Call me Pride. Call me Bitter. Your whole identity lost in what makes you most ashamed. Put yourself in that condition. No one wants to get near you. Spiritually, the religious culture of Jesus' day taught that people with leprosy were cursed by God. They couldn't enter the walls of Jerusalem. They couldn't worship God in the temple. They couldn't pray with someone. They were completely cut off from any hope of growing spiritually in a communal way. And the Jewish way of growing in the day was totally community as it should be in the church. Think we have any modern day lepers in our world? Absolutely. Do you have any modern day lepers in your life? I think the goal of PCC, the goal of the people of Jesus, is to start a hashtag leper no more movement. So how does Jesus view the lonely? He longs that they be not known by their condition. He calls them by name and longs that they be part of a family. Look what it says in the Psalms. God puts the lonely in the families. Isn't that beautiful? In other words, God created us for community. God designed us as a church to function as a family where no one's a leper. No one's known or identified by their condition or their character flaw or our sin. We are redefined in Christ with new names. And one day we'll get a new name, the book of Revelation says. We're designed to experience affirmation, the best of family, community, encouragement, growth in Christ-like character, discipline, memories, significant experiences. It is not good for man to be alone. And yet so many people in our community are lonely. I, I have a great family. I was just with family. Uh, my father-in-law passed away and we did a memorial for him in North Carolina. Uh, but my family of origin, amazing. Parents married almost 60 years, literally to their death. Uh, and great brothers and sister. But I've got to be honest with you, as great of a relationship I have with my dad, I had much more intimate relationships with men in the body of Christ who served as father figures. Church was more of a family in that area because of dad's faith and coming to faith late. Never had a son Five daughters. But there are a group of men I love like a son, much more intimate in the family of faith than any son uh, I don't have. It's like I have sons, right? My daughters have grandparents in this church. They've grown up their whole life in this church. Spiritual grandparents. When their parents were battling dementia, grandparents were uh, in North Carolina. There were people that stepped in, didn't announce themselves, didn't say we're going to be the grandparents, but stepped in in a spiritual way and took that mantle on. That's how the family should be. That's what the church was meant to be. How does Jesus love the lonely or does Jesus love the lonely? Absolutely. And he brings him into a family called the church. Okay, do we get that? Are we clear on that? 
Okay, if you feel lonely, if you're not a part of this church, I want to tell you this very humbly. You don't need to belong, you don't need to believe before you belong. We want you to believe desperately that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But come experience community. We had 130 people, uh, mainly high schoolers, returned from Mexico yesterday. The stories of healing, of people coming to new life in Christ, unbelievable in the dirt of Mexico because of community that takes place and the gospel spreads. It's un- unbelievable. We were talking about it this morning. Fantastic things happening through the family of God through people being recognized and drawn in to the family and to the gospel. Good stuff, isn't it? So how do we love like Jesus? Let's go and look at this, okay? Turn to page two. And again, if you've never seen yourself as a leper, coming to Christ and Christ looking you in the eye saying, I'm willing with all your sin, with all your brokenness, Everyone else may label you a certain way. I don't. I want to relabel you child of God. You give your life to Christ. We'll talk about that at the end of this message. And you be drawn into the family. Here we go. How do we love like Jesus did? Let's look back. Love with time. Verse 39. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues, driving out demons. Deanna didn't read that. We didn't ask her to. But that's context. Jesus is going. He's on the go. In the midst of being on the go, because I think a lot of us can relate to being on the go. Does anyone have busy lives? Am I the only one? A man with leprosy, what's the next three words? Came to him. I'm sure Jesus didn't wake up, pull out a smartphone, look at his Google calendar and say, oh, 905, I got to get over there because I have an appointment with a leper. No, no, this was a divine interruption. He came to the crowd. This is really important, and this isn't in my notes, but I feel the Holy Spirit prompting me on this one. He broke through social, spiritual norms to get to Christ. I want to encourage you, sometimes we need to do that. We have norms in here about worshiping and what have you. It's okay to break through those if God's calling you to that, to come to Christ. Think of all he risked to get to Jesus. Those 50 paces the unclean. He risked it all to break the social, spiritual norms because at the end of it was a savior who had what he needed and he came to Christ and he interrupted him. How many of you like interruptions? I hate them. I'm that guy who schedules everything, right? But some of my best memories and experiences are divine appointments disguised as interruptions. It's amazing. I was just thinking about being in Nashville with 15 pastors. You can't walk down the street without being interrupted. Not because we're pastors, but because these people see people. And, and we stop and there's a person on the street with a cardboard sign and someone will stop. 15 pastors. There's no way someone with a cardboard sign is going to get by us. And it's just amazing. Like we, we, had a, you know, we were in a hotel across from a convention center. Sometimes it took us like 30 minutes to get to the convention center. Word got out. Like the next day, tons of people with cardboard signs showed up. <laughs> As it should be. Because the people of God are the ones who care and see and feels will see. He loved him with time. Jesus was the master at turning interruptions into opportunities. He always made best use of the interruptions. Why I put just some of his best interruptions in the bottom of page two. 
If we're gonna love the lonely like Jesus, here's how we're gonna spell love. T-I-M, what? E. Good, you can spell. Time. Very simple. But so simple, we can get right over it. We can become so busy, we don't love. Then look at the next one. I'm gonna camp out here. With empathetic listening, chose those words very carefully. Verse 40, a man with leprosy came to him. He begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Literally, if you're willing, I know you have the power to make me clean. Now, this is interesting, isn't it? Look at Jesus' response. We, we get a, and Mark's the only one that does this, a glimpse into Jesus' inner world. That's why I put empathetic. Jesus was what? Indignant. Some of your translations say was compassionate, right? Uh, actually, the NIV, this is what we're using, the 2011 version of the New International Version, has indignant. The 1984 version, the one previously translated, the NIV, has compassionate. Which is it? Both. See, the Greeks believed that the core of your will and your emotion was in your gut. This is the word for bowels. Jesus was, uh, was indignant at what sin had done to his creation and in the communal effect. It was compassionate towards this person. There's a nuance here of the same word that they just can't get in the English language. So some translators go one way, some translators go another. But whenever this word is used of Jesus, someone's life was changed. It's used like four times with Jesus. And someone's life was completely changed. Look, I know there's a lot of emotion around the lonely, and depending on what sphere of loneliness you come across. Cardboard signs, people of different color, whatever. My question is this, do you feel for them? Does anything tug at your heart? Is there a righteous anger that we live in the richest area of the world and we have more people living in vans, in streets, with cardboard signs than ever? Is there any righteous indignation that our country is racially as divided as it's ever been in some ways? There's violence in the schools. Does it do anything inside you? See, Jesus here comes across this man and he's righteously angry and his heart is broken at the same time. And if God's going to fill our cup with the spirit of Christ, we are going to have that same trait as well. Now look with me. What's the man asking for? Open book test. What's he asking for? Make me clean. See, if he was a, uh, he's not asking for a miracle. If he was a Roman or a Greek, he would say, if you're willing, you can heal me. He's Jewish. And he's saying, I'm so longing for community. I'm so longing to get out of this social stigma that this disease has put me in. I'm so longing for religious integration. I want you to cleanse me. I want you to cleanse me. 
in the Gadini home growing up, uh, we would have to wash our hands. And interesting, I don't know why my dad had us do this, and our elbows before we came to dinner. And I'd almost say, I never eat with my elbows. Like, why do I have to wash my elbows? We'd have to come to the table, show our hands, show our elbows, then we would sit down. Because the thought was, you have to be clean before you eat. My dad was a germaphobe. Same was true in the religious culture of the day. The rabbis taught you have to be clean before you come to worship. Listen, that is not of God. Uh, Ben, who's also sharing this message, Pastor Ben, has a saying, Christians are the only people who try to clean their fish before they catch them. The Jesus way is this. You can't be clean before you come to me. So come to me and I'll take care of the cleansing. Do it my way and we'll take care of the cleansing. So Jesus is listening for what this man's asking for. If you're willing, you will, you can make me clean. This empathetic listening is a spirit-produced trait. It's so rare, people. It's so rare. Another study out of MIT, a professor, Sherry Turkle, called what she, uh, she wrote a book called The Empathy Gap. And she says it's alive and well. And she has one culprit for the empathy gap right here. She says there's a direct correlation between how we are absorbed in our own digital world And the degree that we're absorbed in this world, we are less empathetic for the world out there. Can I ask you an honest question? Are you growing in empathy? Is your heart breaking for the sin in our culture? How do we spell love? If we're going to love like Jesus, we're going to spell it this way. L I S. T-E-N. Look, you don't have to agree. You don't have to believe what other people are saying. But we are mandated as followers of Christ to listen. And I think, frankly, we should have people on the other side of whatever issue it is, spiritually, politically, whatever issue, bring them to your table, withhold judgment, and just be a learner for a meal. And listen, and you see what God will do with that conversation. I think one of the greatest evangelistic tools we have in 2017 is a dinner table. A dinner table where we set the meal, show hospitality, and just listen away. It's part of our blessed strategy that we're doing. Okay, I got to hurry up here. Here we go. I just love being with you. Can we stay till noon? Okay, I know. That's what I love about you. So I love it. These guests are going, wait, you told me this is an hour service. No, we'll, we'll get you out. Here's the third one. Love with touch. It's important. Love with touch. We long for touch, right? All right? Look what it says. Verse 41. He reached out and what did he do? Touched the man. And what do you think that touch was like? I remember when I was a brand new Christian, completely zealous, way more zealous than wise, uh, I thought if I came across anything unclean, uh, it would make me unclean. And there's a degree of that, right? I have boundaries. My wife and I were talking about that. Uh, having traveled for nine days, she knows my boundaries. Uh, she knows, uh, you know, I'll just give you one. I'm not trying to be more righteous or parade my righteousness, but we were talking about this last night. I'm in a hotel room. I don't even turn on the TV. 
I don't want to even go there, right? I got plenty more things to do, and she knows that, right? I have no passcodes on any of my screens. She can come and look at it all, right? So anyway, we have boundaries. Anyway, but in that day, uh, back in 1983, I was so zealous, and I was at this party with other Christians, and they were watching a PG-13 VHS. Now I'm dating myself, right? <laughs> and it had to be returned to Blockbuster, and they knew I lived by Blockbuster, and in my day, PG-13, eh, that is uncalled for, Okay. And uh, so they said, hey, can you return? I'm like, sure, I'd love to return that for you. I'd love to serve you. I went into the kitchen. This is a true story. I grabbed salad tongs. I picked it up and walked out as a joke, but kind of real. And they said, they laughed. What do you do? I'm like, I want to keep as far away from sin as possible. Do you believe that? (laughs) Grace of God in my life. See, that's not the Jesus way. That was the religious way. The Pharisees believed that. That's why leopards had to stay at the flagpole. But Jesus breaks through religious code. And the word touch there means to grasp and hold on to. Stand up, bro. Come here. You're going to be my example. This is my introverted friend, but thank you. Can you give him a hand right now? You're the man. I love you. This is what Jesus did. Cheek to cheek. That's what started. Thanks, bro. Can we give him another hand? Did I scare you? He just held him. Now think how long it had been since that leper received any touch. In the original language, it's not a pinky. Okay, it is a grasp and a bringing to and a holding on to. We all need touch. We all need touch because that's what love does. Healthy touch. We drastically underestimate its power. Actually, I'm wrong. Researchers say we're really big on touching as a culture. You know what we're big on touching? This. Latest research, 85 times a day, this thing is touched. Young adults, you're going to be blown away by this. Young adults, 20 and above, five hours a day touching this. Teenagers, on average, nine hours a day. Nine hours. How can that even be touching this? But how many times a day do we touch other people? I'm told we need eight to ten meaningful, healthy touches a day as humans in order to maintain physical, emotional health. So how does a lonely spell love? T-O-U-C. H. Now, don't get all weird with this, okay? Don't be that person that stands at the door now and just gives a hug to everybody. <laughs> Healthy touch, meaningful touch, to give, not to receive, to bless, touch. And then lastly, it's so, we're just going to run right through because I want to get to the end of this. It's so uh, obvious you can overlook it. He gives him what he needs. Um, we love indeed. I'm willing, he says, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him. He provides what he needs. He does for the one what he couldn't do for the all. But he did it anyway. That's Jesus. That's what he does for you. Now, I want to close by just quickly showing you the gospel in here. 
okay? It's interesting to note in this whole passage, the reversal that takes place. At the beginning of Luke 1.40, Jesus is in the city. The leper is 50 paces away in isolation. Look at verse 45. Look in your Bible. Don't look at me. It's not going to be on the screen. Where does it end? The leper's in the city, and Jesus is out in the wilderness. He literally trades places with the leper. Mark's doing this on purpose. This is the gospel, my friends, and this is where we get to rejoice, and this is what I want you to worship out of in a minute when we go back to singing. We are, spiritually speaking, the lepers who live in alienation and isolation for God. That's all of our stories at one point. And the only way we could ever be taken from our isolation and brought into the presence of God, don't miss this, are you with me? Come on, are you with me? Okay. The only way that could happen was if if Jesus left the presence of God and went into isolation. So on the cross, physically, socially, and then spiritually, Jesus was completely isolated so that we could be brought into the presence of God. That's good stuff, isn't it? That's the gospel. That's what we worship out of. That's what this whole series is based on. God loves us, so it overflows to others. And you know what that does for me? And i got to close. That puts the can't out of any application of this sermon. I can't do that. I can't love them. Really? Because if Christ did that for you, we have no excuse not to let that love flow out to others. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the reality of where we see ourselves in this story. God, each one of us is in a state of leprosy. Maybe some right now, spiritually speaking. And yet you left heaven and went to isolation so that we could be brought into a relationship with you. I wanted to stop and pause and pray over you. If you've never said yes to Jesus, the one who came to earth for you, who can really cleanse you to the core, that's the gospel. There's one requirement. It's completely free. Here's the requirement. You turn to him and say yes. Yes, I'll do life your way. Yes, I can't cleanse myself. Yes, I have character issues and brokenness I can't get over. And yes, I want a relationship with you. Have you ever said yes to Jesus? Today might be your day. You can just do that right now. Simple prayer, one word, yes. Yes, Jesus. And then when we're done with this service, you get back to that information table and we'll get you information on how to grow in that yes with the new life in Christ in you. Oh, Jesus, the awakening of this peninsula rests in the recognition of its people. Use your church. Use the unity that's forming up and down this peninsula, around the bay amongst churches to really truly start a leper no more movement where people are recognized, good news is offered. Use us this week. Guide us, Holy Spirit, we pray. In Christ's name, everyone said? Thank you so much for listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We believe you're here for a reason, and we would love to connect with you more. 
Our campuses are located in Redwood City, California. You can find us online at wearepcc.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for We Are PCC.